0: Hey everyone, I'm Hannah. This is Kelty. We're Upbring. Hello. We're here for our live Q&A to talk about the hard stuff, why it's the good stuff, our kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors, how we can show up and grow up alongside them using powers beyond control for sanity and social change. Love it. You nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome everyone. Welcome. It's so good to be back. We've been on an extended winter break the podcast, one it's, big snow day. It's been a lot of snow days. <laughs> yeah. It's been a lot of breaks, a lot of snow days, <clears throat> a lot of stuff. Hey Molly, you were just thinking about us. Mm-hmm. That's nice. About you, what all. are you needing today? What's going on? Yeah, we've missed seeing you all and being here mm-hmm. and doing this, doing this stuff, talking about this stuff. Right? Things have been pretty active still in the Upbringing Collective, which is our mm-hmm. membership community. Check out our website if you want to join that on a monthly or yearly rate to get in there with a lot of other like-minded parents. Talk about what's what you're struggling with on a daily, weekly, hourly basis. We're there for you in the Upbringing Collective. Um, we also have some opportunities for one-on-one private coaching or two-on-one, or two-on-two if you have a partner who's into that stuff. So Check out our website for that opportunity as well. We're gonna yes. be around here more. We're gonna be getting back on Instagram. We're gonna be getting back on the podcast. We're excited about it, absolutely. So. Someone from our collective wrote in today and asked and we advertised for the, this live with that. While Hannah's looking this up, um, type below mm. if anything's going on with you, your kids, sensitive, strong-willed kids, mm-hmm. their big feelings and challenging behaviors, resistance, all the stuff. And any questions you have on the topic we're discussing, which is consequences that we give our kids, natural consequences that we try and give our kids that don't sound too much like consequences. How do we teach our kids in general? I think the whole idea of consequences and natural consequences are about our goal, which is to teach our kids how to move Mm -hmm. through the world, meet their needs, meet other people's needs, that sort of thing. Um, Someone from our collective wrote and said, Am I using natural consequences or actually just conventional consequences that sound nicer when my kid resists toothbrushing or won't stop jumping on me? My phrasing is sounding more and more like thinly veiled threats to motivate them to do something or stop something help. How do I reframe and reword this stuff in a way that isn't manipulative? So that was condensed from their share Mm -hmm. in the collective, but I hope that that makes sense for anybody here. Anybody here struggling to be like is what I'm saying to my kids when I'm setting a loving limit, when I'm setting a personal boundary, when Mm -hmm. I'm allowing for a natural consequence and I'm explaining that to my kid, am I doing this in a connected way that they're going to learn and build relationship with me around? Mm-hmm. Or am I doing this in a way that seeks to motivate them or manipulate them in some way, or is actually some sort of form of retribution or punishment mm-hmm. or it's like a threat maybe? Well, it could be a threat or it could really be, here's the natural consequence or quote unquote, natural consequence or consequence of what mm-hmm. you did, mm-hmm. right? There's a manufacturing element to it. That's very common in the, in the, uh, conventional discipline sphere, which is if you do something or don't do something that I want, then I will issue you some sort of punishment, right? Mm -hmm. So I love this idea of natural consequences because I feel like it came out at some point, but people are still maybe potentially misusing it. Maybe this is something that you've experienced too, where you say something like, well, you were late coming. You said you'd be home at three on your bike and you came home at 345. So the natural consequence is you can't go to your friend's party this weekend. Or no screen time tomorrow. No dessert tonight, right? Those are not Mm -hmm. natural consequences. Those are parentally manufactured consequences. Punishments. Which are punishments, which is control, which is kind of goes against our ultimate goal with our kids because when we issue those, can you imagine having one of those set on you? Maybe Mm -hmm. you did have those set on you, but Kelsey and I were imagining earlier, what if we gave one another consequences? How would that feel? Put yourself in mind. What if your partner gave you consequences? And like said, hey, you said that you would You, do didn't, the you didn't take out the trash, or so whatever. you can't sleep in bed with me tonight. Or, like, or if our mom our I'm taking away <laughs> your favorite high heels. Right, or or. <laughs> our mom called and said, you didn't answer the phone earlier, so I'm not doing child care for you tomorrow. It sounds really kind of juvenile to me when you kind of explain it through an adult lens to another adult. You're like, wow, that just sounds kind of immature. I would never say that to a peer or a partner or a friend or a co-worker, why do we think we can say that to our kids? <clears throat> well, I think we can for several reasons because we get a little adultist and we kind of forget, sure, sure. right? Uh, we also forget that how kids learn isn't usually being manipulated and controlled. They learn best through connection, right? And then I think something we discovered in our collective today is the reason very often that we end up kind of doing these thinly veiled threats or these like, insinuating a consequence will happen. If you don't get your PJs on, we can't do two books. If you don't put your shoes on, I'm gonna have to carry you to the car and you don't like that. If you don't get off of me, I'm gonna leave you here. These are all such normal things for us to say. Just if then, if then. I don't think that they come necessarily because we think that we're supposed to say them and that that would be ideal for us or for our kid. I think they happen because that's usually at the point when our capacity is very low and our backs are against the wall and we feel very helpless and out of control. When we feel helpless and out of control, we seek to control. And that's what we end up trying to do. Mm-hmm. And that's like our last throw out kind of thing. Well, it's like, well, if you can't do this, then this is going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't have to get to that. I think is what we were talking about in our collective today is mm-hmm. saying we will get to it many times, but can we think of that ultimatum, that loving reality, that helpful boundary, right? Or that loving limit. Can we put that and imagine that being at the end of the conversation before we do a loving follow through before we get up? before we pick up their bodies gently, before we move them toward bedtime or do something like that. Or state some sort of reality or concern. Sure, can we save that that communication, that last communication for the end? And can we also work on how we actually say it, but that's kind of for a separate talk. Mm -hmm. And then before we give our kids that reality check, that ultimatum, that loving threat, whatever it is, can we work on connection and build skills, build awareness, build relationship before that Last thing has to happen. Usually we start with that, right? It's Mm -hmm. so easy for us, but just like we wouldn't ever, I would never tell Kelty, let's say for example, that I'm always ready to leave five minutes before she is. Let's just like, you know, random example. I think that's a Um, very true example. I mean, I Um, wouldn't immediately say, well then we're not going for our walk. If you can't be here in a minute, then we're not going for a walk. Or if you can't be here in a minute, then I'm not gonna do a live with you later on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say any of those things. What would Mm -hmm. I do before that ultimatum happened, right? Kelsey would have to say, no, I'm not gonna be here in five minutes or I can't. We have to allow a conversation to develop first. Mm -hmm. And very often we do not allow conversations to play out with our kids. We just jump straight to the caboose at the end. Mm -hmm. So how can we build some space and time in the middle there? Mm -hmm. I think, how can we say it from a needs way as well? I'm needing some space. I'm needing to read books with you and I'm really excited, but PJs have to happen mm-hmm. first. I'm needing us to get going, to get to school, but I'm seeing your <clears> shoes aren't there. What, how can I support you? What can we do? How can we engage in a respectful way that says, here's what my need is. How can we make this happen between us? What's your need, mm-hmm. right? How can we say it in a tone that's not gonna push our kids away or maybe um, incite a power struggle of sorts or make them feel bad about their inability in the moment to basically meet our needs Mm -hmm. can anyone give an example of a situation where they're like, should there be a consequence here? Right. I think another thing, thing what's the, what should the consequence be for lying? What Mm -hmm. should the consequence be for hitting their sibling? What should the consequence be for, um, walking across that street Mm -hmm. and, and not telling us they were going to their friend's house? What should the consequence be for not cleaning up their room when we've said, right. And I think just to, to sideline these great questions, Kelsey to go right back really quickly, the process of engaging with our kid in connection, right. And doing all of those things before we resort to those things and then how to actually, set that loving limit. That's the work we do in the collective. I wish mm-hmm. we had time to do that here on Instagram. I don't want you to think, and on the podcast, think, oh, they're setting us up and then they're not going to tell us how to do it. That's the the daily work that we're doing with our, our coaching clients and with folks in the collective. So mm-hmm. that's the work there. But I like this question that you bring up, Kelty, where you're saying, what is there a prescriptive um, kind of way to go about things when we mm-hmm. see I think what you're identifying is a very behaviorist perspective mm-hmm. to say, when I see this behavior, it uh, results in a mm-hmm. punitive measure by me, right? This is the institutional conditioning we've experienced, right? That when someone messes up, someone's gonna crack down on them and mm-hmm. it's gonna be at a level. Is it three months in prison? Is it two years doing community service? Is it whatever? Mm-hmm. This is a, a very punitive justice-oriented mindset. Quite patriarchal, Yeah, sexist. that we've brought in very unconsciously, right, and naturally into our parenting. And so I think that automatically when our kids do something that we think that they should know not to do, which is untrue, we think they could stop doing uh, if Control. they wanted to, <clears throat> which is not true. And we think that we can teach them through punishment rather than connection, which is also not true. Right? We immediately go to, okay, what's the justice? What what kind of situation here warrants this so that teaching can actually happen. I think that's a word that which is also a disgusting white patriarchal word, where's the accountability? Mm-hmm. So not just the assumption that our kids have to, um, can only learn if they feel bad about themselves, if they feel ashamed of themselves, if or they scared. get scared enough, yeah. right? But also where's the accountability? They need to own up to the mistakes that they're making, this idea in our head that this has to happen, yeah, right? And I think a lot of what we work not on that with our true. kids is, we, we can set that aside. Yeah. We don't have These to are play just that just kids game. with little prefrontal cortexes, <clears> right, <throat> cortices. Well, that, that are growing their brains and building their well, skills. I think one of the other really big reasons that we don't want to be using parentally manufactured consequences with our kids is because kids learn by the way we teach. So if we're approaching challenges, which we call with our kids conflicts, which is basically a mismatch of needs, if we approach those using control and coming from a punitive mindset of, if you do this, then this happens, mm-hmm. if you do that, then that happens, We're teaching them how to not just experience that and have that be normal for them to experience that with partners in the workplace, in their communities, right? Which isn't ideal, but we're also teaching them to use that on other people, including us. We have had a number of people say, my child has started using consequences on me. (laughs) I asked my kid the other day, why would you pee in your closet? And he said, that was a consequence for you for making me eat the rest of my food when I didn't want to. Right. So when we play this, this behaviorally based binary punitive kind of game with our kids. They learn to play that with us and other people, which is a little bit less than ideal. They're not learning what we actually want them to learn. Right? Mm -hmm. So I think so much when we talk about accountability, we're the parent with the power and the privilege and the prefrontal cortex. We have to remember that when we're talking about accountability and learning so much of this accountability and learning isn't on our kids to do it's actually on us to do as the one responsible. So for example, somebody mentioned what about a consequence for running away from a parent in a busy or dangerous place so i would love more examples like this Mm -hmm. a consequence for running away from a parent so what's so interesting about this is running away from a parent in a busy or dangerous place was the consequence of the parent not keeping an eye on the child the parent not holding the child's hand The parent not maybe having gotten the kid's nervous system regulated so that they didn't feel the need to run. The parent having maybe handled the situation where the kid wanted something and couldn't get it. Or the parent maybe adding adding heat to this having happened before and the kid feels like they can test it. That was the parent's accountability and what they did. That's what happened earlier in the timeline. And the consequence was the child ran away. There actually has no need to be any other consequence after that happening except for the parent to think what should I have done differently? My child <clears throat> acted like a child and did what kids do was they met the needs the best the way they knew how, and they're not accountable to anyone but themselves. That's how kids live. And that's how they should live mm-hmm. until they develop accountability, not from being punished for it, mm-hmm. but develop accountability by having it be modeled to them through us and our interactions. I think that what are some positive con- natural consequences that could come? Maybe um, they ride in the stroller maybe they get to um, be on our shoulders which is safer and more connected maybe we have a really good talk with them about what could happen getting loose in in uh, you know street mall or getting loose around other cars and we have a really good conversation of that could really go badly or this one thing happened to me when i was a kid and that was really scary we, we get a moment of connection that's a great natural consequence From our kid running away. I love the idea, Kelty. I feel like you're blowing this open and saying, instead of even thinking about creating and manufacturing negative consequences in order to teach our kids, we know kids learn best in safe psychological environments and in relationship with us. That's when brains are actually online to process information Mm -hmm. and learn what we want them to. So what if instead of focusing on negative consequences to teach, which we know don't work, what if we started focusing on positive consequences and what you identified as a positive consequence of something scary or stressful or shitty or annoying that happened with our kids mm-hmm. is that we actually get to process that after in what we call the circle back mm-hmm. where we actually process what happened there. That was really interesting. Or maybe we even go back up to the preparation stage of the next time we go to the mall and they're going to run away right? Mm-hmm. How can we create a positive consequence or anticipatory situation with that? Mm-hmm. So much beauty in growth and connection can come from really difficult things. And I think it's our mindset and our cultural conditioning that leads us to say something negative. Someone has had. to suffer for this. So, <laughs> so I need to add more negativity and trauma and pain and fear on top of that. And mm-hmm. look, how about I add that to the littlest person with the least power and privilege, mm-hmm. right? Think, it doesn't and, make any sense. And I think that like, even the idea of natural consequences is a scapegoat for our lack of self-regulation as parents. Yeah. So often we feel the need to say something like, well, if you just hadn't done this, then I wouldn't have yelled. That's the natural consequence of you doing this. Or I wouldn't have had to spank you. Or I wouldn't have had to drag you out of there and shame you about this. And we weren't doing that on purpose to teach. We were doing that because we couldn't self-regulate. We didn't know what our needs yeah. were. We'd maybe missed the boat on preparing our kids or feeling connected through whatever it was. What are some other good ideas of what is the natural consequence for xyz mm-hmm. i remember i was at a party once and and a woman i was just randomly talking to and i always like being like tell me everything about your kids this is even before upbringing i don't even know if we had kids yet and she mm-hmm. said yeah so my my four-year-old today he i walk in and he's drawing on the wall with a permanent marker mm-hmm. and i was just so shocked and but I didn't even need to say anything to him. Just gave him a look. I gave him a look and he just turned around and walked and went to his own timeout. And she was saying that as though she were kind of proud of like how well she's trained this child to basically self punish and self isolate after doing something that displeased her or went against her expectations. And it really got me thinking, it made me think, Mm -hmm. what did, what, what was the learning that happened here? So what did she learn that, whatever she says goes and whatever it is, not, not a whole lot. What did he learn? He learned that he has natural impulses sometimes and maybe loves drawing and that he shouldn't draw on the wall with that pen and that for trying to meet his needs, the best way he knows how he has to go be alone. Otherwise something worse might happen with his mom. He might feel a little shame. He might feel a little confusion. He might not even know why he started drawing on the wall in the first place or what he was trying to do. Mm -hmm. And when we think about it, I just said, all I said was, well, shouldn't that consequence be on you for having left out a permanent marker that your four-year-old could draw with? I mean, shouldn't what well, that be just a reminder that that's the consequence of leaving a marker out? Like, wasn't him drawing on the wall that the consequence of you not parenting effectively? And I didn't want to offend this random stranger, but it really did get me thinking of like, what could he have learned? If she had come in and seen her son drawing with a permanent marker on her beautiful wall, she could have said, Oh my gosh, Whoa. I'm super shocked. Wowza. And I'm going to stop your hand. Whoa. Can I tell you about what this pen is? This is a Sharpie. Do you know what a Sharpie is compared to all these other pens? This Sharpie is forever. It's wild. It's like a tattoo on the wall, right? And you engage about it to help, your child understand what type of pen to use and not use, not to just be afraid of all the pens, right? And then say, what were you wanting to do with this pen? What are you drawing here? Tell me more about this. This is really reminding me of my son's um, uh, graffiti situation at school earlier this year. And then engage with them about what they were needing and then say, oh, I am so sorry. This is where we model accountability. I'm so sorry I left this permanent marker in a place where you could find it. And then I left you alone to test it out and do your thing. Now, you know, that permanent markers aren't ideal to use now. I know maybe not to leave a permanent marker out where you can find it when you don't know, right? Okay. What can we do? Good, good learning experience, right? And it's not forever. Let's go get some paint. Let's go get one of those magic erasers. See if we can get this out of here, right? Rather than shame our kids for something that they just automatically did unconsciously to meet their need. Mm -hmm. Right. What can we do to say, how can we actually learn from this? Mm-hmm. Trauma and punishment is not learning. It's not teaching what we want it's our not kids healthy to be learning. And yeah. I like that you bring up this kind of more innocuous example. This kid was just coloring on the wall with a permanent marker. So no one was hurt. No big feelings, no challenging mm-hmm. behavior. No, was no actual suffering was happening. But yet we feel compelled <laughs> to inflict that suffering. And what I really struggle the most with is in the situations where our kid is obviously visibly suffering already. Already. Their, their sibling is hurting them. They had a traumatic thing happen on the playground. They're really upset and dysregulated and having a tantrum and throw things mm-hmm. or hurt their bodies jumping off something because they're so upset. And then we feel compelled to, to, some add. Reason to add to that, to shame them for making a bad choice, for, to put them mm-hmm. in, a, in a timeout to feel alone and shameful about it, to um, take something away that we know they love right? Why would we add to a big, bad feeling? And I love that people are dropping in things like, what about when a sibling hurts another one? What's the consequence for that? I think the consequence is a child sees their sibling suffer or the child had terrible feelings of jealousy and upset. And the whole interaction felt shitty. Mm -hmm. That's the natural consequence, Mm -hmm. right? And I love coming back to that idea. Like we brought up earlier, Hannah, how can we find positive natural consequences for all of these conflicts? How can we look for the silver lining? How can we look at them? Not as marring our day, impeding our harmony, our productivity, all of these things, but as opportunities for actually good teaching, Mm -hmm. right? For connection, for storytelling, for humor, for repair, for lessons and accountability by the way that we interact with it, not what we demand of our children. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love the idea of, Oh, I totally lost my train of thought. I was reading. Let's oh. dive into some of these. Oh, Here, why don't you talk? I, I had a really good train of thought for a second. I just lost The positive it. consequences is what I had been talking about. Was it mm-hmm. something about that? No, it wasn't. That's okay. <laughs> It'll come back. It'll come back. Molly says, my kids, three and six, are in destructo mode. I feel like I don't mm. have the skills to gently set limits that they can follow. Did you right. get it back? Yes, I got it back. Okay, go. Okay. What we talked about earlier is that remembering that our kids behaviors are symptoms, right? Of a deeper need. And so I think we have to think of our kids behaviors as consequences of something more critical and important going on. That's how we have to reframe our mindset around consequences It's not that a consequence needs to happen after our kids have done something we don't like, but their behaviors themselves that bothered us so much were the consequence of something that, they needed and didn't get like nervous system regulation, sleep, connection, mm-hmm. um, food. quiet time, food, right? Or a, a consequence of our lack of ability to create routine or environment or one of those types of things, some, some little oversight, but that the behaviors are already those symptoms are the struggle. Those are the consequence. That's already the hard part that's happened. So I love that. That's saying, What well, don't add more hard. Let's actually mm-hmm. just spend our time instead getting to the root cause of what led to those Mm -hmm. behaviors, those symptoms, those consequences. Someone said, my son had a field day on the walls after his baby sister was born. Yes, field Mm -hmm. day on walls equals consequence of new baby in the house. Love it. New baby in the house, (laughs) drawing on walls is the consequence. This is what's gonna happen, stress behaviors. Yeah. Someone said, how do you not slip into permissiveness yet understanding I can't truly control my child? Mm -hmm. Some children can be controlled and I think that's the seductiveness of issuing consequences and punishments is sometimes it works. Sometimes saying, if you don't do this, then this will happen. Gets our kids to do what we want. And that's almost more dangerous in some ways Mm -hmm. than our kids that stick it to us like mine and are like, now that you just issued that ultimatum, now that you just threatened that thing, I'm even less likely to want to do it. I'm even more likely to want to (laughs) resist you because that doesn't go well for me because I feel coerced because I don't like this top-down power structure Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. I am human and I deserve my rights. Uh, Reagan had mentioned who the one who had the Mm -hmm. the kid had the field day after the baby sister. They said we took pics of his artwork and then he entertained himself getting to spray and wipe down the walls. That Mm -hmm. was a beautiful learning right there. I love that. I love that. So the consequence of what I want to know, Molly has your three and six year old in destructo mode destructo mode is their symptom is the consequence of something else earlier. Some need, some situation. What is it? The consequence of not getting enough nervous system regulation between school and when they get home. The consequence of maybe having stayed up too late the night before, having to cut into their morning, and they're overtired, and so they're just literally just destroying stuff. The consequence of too much screen time right right before dinner in the like the witching hour. We don't know what is the consequence of. Only you do, and that's why we're these like. Time traveling detectives, right? Mm -hmm. We have to think of ourselves and Kelsey and I always say, expand the timeline. Mm -hmm. We focus so much on the moment that bothers us when all of the information and all of the opportunities actually on both ends of that moment. Mm -hmm. It's before in setting everyone up for success and it's after saying, what the hell just happened and why? What was your body needing? I've noticed lately when we get home from school, I've noticed Mm -hmm. lately right before dinner, guys are having some big body stuff, right? Tearing apart Your the couch. Your needs. Like, Ooh, all the toys come out of the bins onto the ground and they're mixed all together. What are you guys needing? Is, the, is that what you're needing physically? Can we find mm-hmm. other ways to get those needs met? Mm-hmm. Right? We can open that up outside the moment because you're right, it is hard to set those limits in the moment mm-hmm. without shaming or <clears> issuing <throat> consequences or threats or any of those things. Someone mentioned my eight-year-old has developed a new fear of being alone in the house. For example, he can't be on the second floor alone if I'm on the first. If I go to the bathroom, he follows me, outside to throw trash, he follows me, this is all new. So your son's anxiety, separation anxiety, or some type of anxiety is a consequence of what? What? We don't know, right? We're thinking of consequences in a whole new way now, not as something shitty that has to happen to our kids in order to teach them to learn, something we don't want them to learn, but now thinking of consequence as critical information of a moment in time, that went awry because of something earlier that happened or didn't happen. multiple things earlier. Mm. So if your son has developed a new fear of being alone in the house and follows you to all the things, I would be asking, what's he needing? I would say, I've noticed. You're kind of sticking by me and we're kind of buddy-buddy. Sing the My Buddy song. What are you needing? Are you just needing some closeness? Am I able to fill your cup and pay attention to you when you need it other times? (coughs) Are you a little scared of the dark? Did you watch something a little spooky? Are you feeling a little stressed from school? We don't have to ask these rapid fire to our kids. These are things we're wondering and things we can maybe float along or hold space and open up for just options that can maybe contribute to a little stress, to a little clinginess right. to those things. I mean, I think this opens up the fundamental question of can we trust what we're seeing our kids showing us in this moment and knowing that it has a critical cause and it is the effect of that cause. Right, what our kids are showing us with their behavior and their big feelings is the fallout, is the symptom, is the cause, is the consequence of something earlier. So, we've got to approach it with love it when we can, we have to approach it with curiosity and compassion when we can, right? And then we got to get creative. So, my son also is very sensitive, and I found out with a little bit of subtle digging over time that he thinks monsters will come out of his closet in mm-hmm. his bedroom. I right. noticed that while you were out <coughs> of town, so yeah. like, no, blinds closed, <coughs> right? So, we realized we just need to curtain's open right now. I just realized that he wants me to go in the bathroom with him before he goes to the bathroom every single time right now. And that's going to create a sense of security. Maybe if I can find moments where it doesn't quite happen yet, or I'm outside and he's inside, we can slowly kind of move him into realizing he's okay on his own. But right now just trust the feelings, just go with it, Mm -hmm. see how it goes. But yeah. I like asking him too, where he's coming from, what I you're noticing. Just kind of non-judgmental curiosity, yeah. but also like you said, Hannah, paired with an acceptance that right now, your son is needing some closeness. Mm-hmm. Right now, your son wants to be with you. Thank thank the heavens for that right now when he's eight, because in like five more years, he's not gonna be following you to take the trash out. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Someone else mentioned. Seven-year-old uh, screen time, I think yeah. was the next one. It was, um, let's see. Scrolling here. Um, what other things do you struggle with consequences? Does this deserve a consequence? What do I do when my kid does this or that, right? Mm-hmm. Someone said, I'm struggling with helping my seven-year-old move away from screen time. And I mm-hmm. love that that language that you're using, move away. Mm-hmm. And is this move away from screen time in specific instances? Is this move away from screen time more generally? Um, I'm not quite sure what you're meaning, but you're noticing that they struggle to maybe stop using screens. And mm-hmm. I don't know if meltdowns happen. I don't know if things happen. Screen time is a really good example of sometimes where we find ourselves, we set an agreement with our kids. We want, mm-hmm. they're going to watch one show and then we're going to turn it off and we're going to move on to this next thing. And then when
1: they the show ends, and
0: they naturally struggle and they have a meltdown or they resist and they want their iPad back, we tend to say, well, because of how much you're struggling and bothering me right now about this, I'm gonna add a consequence on top of it, which is no TV shows tomorrow. You're or, showing me that we can't do this anymore. Right? So exactly. no more TV, no more of this show. I've said that myself, totally. it's so hard, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's that moment where we're saying, What your natural reaction to having to stop screen time right now is making me so deeply uncomfortable that I don't want this to happen again. Or I want to motivate you out of doing this again. Right. As opposed to this is the consequence of you watching screen time. Then I don't want you to watch screen time anymore. And I think that that can be posed in Mm -hmm. if we can more of a concern than a consequence. Mm -hmm. My concern is when we do screen time this time of day or when we do too many episodes, you struggle and it's hard. And your body's needing maybe more fresh air or food or something mixed up. I don't know what it is, but I just have a concern. What can we do? Not, I don't like this situation when you finish screens, so no more. And I'm going to unilaterally decide this is what we're doing from now on, right? How can we say, I have this concern. What can we do? How can we be brave a little bit and negotiate with our kids, let them negotiate with us, Mm -hmm. leave things a little bit more open, let things play out a little bit, experiment in that middle ground. That's so scary. Mm -hmm. Right. And keep, keep figuring that out. Having big feelings when something ends, if it still is working, okay, generally speaking for everybody other times, maybe that's okay things don't have to be perfect all the time. We have ups and downs. Our kids have ups and downs. Mm -hmm. Someone mentions one of those here. They say how best to repair with a five-year-old after getting dysregulated myself yelling and him responding, I don't care as he plays Legos. Yeah. That's so hard. Thanks Mm -hmm. for sharing that. Oh my gosh. I think repair. So we talk so much about all of this work in our collective and in our coaching, we talk about three, like basically facets of an ongoing circle, right? where our focus is um, on what we call the circle up, where we're pre- preparing, we're setting everyone up for success. We're basically trying not to have a bunch of unwanted consequences in our day with our kids, right? Then we have presence in the moment, right? Where we circle in. If we can. When we can to say, how can I create a safe psychological ex- uh, experience so learning can happen and big feelings and challenging behaviors can de-escalate. Basically, How can we make it better and not worse? And then the third part of that circle and that timeline, that ongoing timeline that just keeps going and keeps going is processing after, which we call the circle back. And that's where we get to explain, explore, repair with our kid. Mm -hmm. And so if we yelled at our five-year-old kid, I think so much about our repair. We have to think about what is our kid's stress language? What is our kid's love language? What's our kid's repair language or processing Mm -hmm. language, right? And some kids really are just so into talk, talk, talk. We're going to talk about this, even a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. And maybe other five-year-olds are just not there quite there yet with like having a, a full on conversation about like what. See, so yeah, well, it's also possible that um, circle back has felt more like a grill back in the, mm-hmm. in the sure. past. We all grew up with the grill back after a thing happens, we need to talk. <sighs> okay. So the, the choices you made, here's all the reasons that that's not okay. I'm going to underline the impact of how shitty that but was man, for everybody. It's basically a consequence after the fact, right? right? It's, con- it's, it's, puni- like, it's punishment. Light It's shaming our kids after they did something that we didn't like. It's like a post consequence. Yeah. If we're on the the, the theme of consequences, Totally. Right? But it's where we say, I need you to make a better choice next time. Or what are you going to do if this happens again? How are you going to make a choice? Right? So instead of that grow back, we're going to work on the circle back where we can recondition the space, especially one that felt crappy for our kids, for us, especially one where we didn't show up as ideally as we would have liked, where we can create safety and security so our kids will keep coming back to talk about hard stuff with us, right? And that always begins, even when we technically showed up the best possible way we could, the most ideal way, with an apology, I'm so sorry, earlier was a struggle. So sorry that you were having those big feelings earlier. I'm so sorry that you seemed so uncomfortable when X, Y, Z, or I'm so sorry about how I showed up around dinner time. Right. right. I'm so sorry I yelled. It can be general. It can be specific. I'm so sorry we were all struggling and transition <clears throat> this morning. And then we opened it up to them. How was that for you? Some kids might be like, la, la, la. I don't want to talk about this. We can take that as feedback. We can be floating little statements. I'm sorry that that was a struggle. And we just give a little hand and that's the circle back. If our kid's like, yeah, that was terrible when you said this and then
1: this happened. They're ready. They're ready. They
0: wanna talk about it. That's where we can use. What were you needing? Oh, what was your sibling needing? Or what were you needing? And I guess I was needing some deep breaths, maybe so I didn't yell. So we're explaining consequences by saying, the consequence was I yelled, not because you pushed me beyond or you did this wrong thing, Mm -hmm. but because I got overwhelmed in the moment of having to cook dinner at the same time and or dinner or you know bedtime is coming up soon and I haven't finished my work thing and I had this thing. I was struggling. We don't wanna overburden our kids with what's going on in our lives but we're gonna build a little context and say, this is why people yell. I'm gonna to explain to you why I yelled. So that that awareness that I'm showing you about myself, you can start asking yourself, why do you do certain things? And you could say my stress behavior is yelling. When I, my body budget gets so low, right? Mona Delahook talks about this or when i just get so overwhelmed, right? and i'm like this, poof, right? that's what happens. Mm-hmm. and i never want to scare you. i never want to yell. and i think also she had mentioned that her kid just said i don't care and mm-hmm. kept going with legos. and I, I don't know if that happened before she yelled or after she yelled or during. or during, mm-hmm. right? But I think so often our kids will go into, when we go into fight, flight, freeze, freak out, we freak out, right? Let's say we go to a fight response, our um, parasympathetic nervous system, right? On alert, in the red. Our kids very often can go into a blue where they freeze, right? Or they can still be experiencing anxiety, right? And wanna flight, but maybe they just shut down or they say, I don't care. And that's their protective adaptive mechanism to deal with the stress that they're experiencing in those moments also. I think so much is just saying, I was stressed. You were stressed. I had these needs. You had these needs. I'm so sorry that happened. And then maybe some accountability, right? Which is what we want to be modeling and saying next time I'm going to try and do this, Mm -hmm. right? Or next time, what would work for you? Right. Mm -hmm. How can I support you better? Exactly. Well, I said, I'm struggling with the idea of markers on the wall being a natural consequence to my leaving markers out. I know this is true and I'm actively working on it and also i'm super frustrated that it keeps happening they're getting creative like using deodorant to write on the walls when the markers are away yeah i mean all of that's telling me that you've maybe made such a a situation about it that it's kind of become oh sorry i feel like they're not in partnership with me and i have to take on the responsibility which triggers me? Oh, yeah, that's so great. You're yes. identifying what your trigger is. That mm-hmm. they're taking advantage of you. That you're being burdened with having to do all you're of this stuff. Not feeling like a team. <clears throat> you're not feeling feeling heard. You're not feeling seen. Mm-hmm. And I think those big feelings that we have that are stored in our body from other experiences in our lives that come out when we see our kids drawing on the wall, for example, or doing something that kids do. Right? We can we can really respond in a way that's so strong that actually cues our kids to say that was interesting. I want to maybe keep doing that when I'm simmering and struggling a little, or when I'm wanting to get mom's attention, and I don't know how or connect with her Mm -hmm. or when I have big feelings in my body that I don't know how to let out. And I want to actually trigger my mom to experience the big feelings that I can't express to maybe help me. My mirror neurons actually make me feel like I can melt down or do whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Our kids, your kids are pushing you for a reason. They're poking. Mm And I think a huge reason is because of the response that they're getting, and it's turning into a little bit of a a vicious cycle, where they're they're wanting to explore this and poke, and then you're giving them the response that maybe they're expecting or needing, right? And then <laughs> she says, "You're Janet Landesburying me." But I, this is just uh, from the very little we know, what we're imagining that this is the same situation I have with so many other things, right? Um, that they're wanting to actually this is the the insane thing about when our kids keep doing the things that we don't want them to do. They're basically like reliving and creating a groundhog day in order for us to actually deal with this shit with them. Mm-hmm. Very, so very often something will happen. And our kids will never do it again, but most of the time they're drawn to keep engaging with us in mm-hmm. connection, even in what seems like disconnection, it's connection to them mm-hmm. because they want to get down to what they're needing, what you're needing, what they're feeling, what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And again, when you think about it, I just have to say, hold your thought, Kel. Sorry. Like, can you hold it? Is like, that okay? Yeah. Um, if, let's say if we weren't talking about markers and we were talking about knives, would you say, I'm sorry, I just, I, I know I'm not supposed to leave knives out and have my kids not play with them. But like, you know, this is They keep is going for the knives, they keep going and they for the knives be going for the and knives. And they shouldn't do that. Like, no, we would just put the knives away. And so our kids, again, meeting them where they are is saying, what are they showing us? there's a reason behind the behavior The the drawing on the wall is a consequence of something earlier. So what is that consequence? Is it them being left alone? Is it them you having responded a particular way that makes them want to explore it? Is it them feeling this nervous, anxious, mischievous sibling vibe that they need to like express? And this is how they're, this is the only way they figured out Mm -hmm. in accessing that so far. Mm -hmm. I love that you point to that, that idea that we have to keep coming back to when our kids were babies, we, we watched them like hawks because we knew we had to They could choke on fucking everything. Right. But as our kids get older and older and they get more and more skilled and we can actually step out of the room and like do the dishes or like go write an email or, or tend to ourselves, we get fooled that we shouldn't have to watch them. We shouldn't have to monitor them. So how can we like when they were babies, like when they were toddlers, remember that when our kids are showing us, they need more supervision, they need more supervision. Mm-hmm. Right. And number two, It's not our kid's job to be in partnership with us. It's not our kid's job to cooperate with us. It's our job to cooperate with them. And it's our job to spear spearhead partnership connection between all of us. That's the onus on us. And I know that feeling that helpless feeling of I'm the only one on deck here. Like no one wants to be partners with me. I have no allies in this house. Right. And that's a really helpless feeling. And I know that. And I think, can that, that seed of helplessness spring us into saying, how can I build allyship? How can I use my Mm, influence to pull these kids in to want to be on a team with me? Cause I'm so cool. Mm -hmm. I'm so fun. I draw on stuff, not the walls, not with deodorant, (laughs) but I will, I will work it with them. Right. And build that sense of trust and camaraderie. And I think that that comes in, especially once they've crossed a line and we can come in and say you're busted And here's a consequence or we can come in and say, what's going on in here? I was in there feeling like everything was fine and I'm not getting that sense. Now what's been happening. So you drew with this, you drew with this. Where did those come from? I didn't even know you could draw with a deodorant. Okay. So we, yeah, we did pens and now we're on to deodorant. Oh my God, what's going on? Again, our goal is to create a safe psychological environment, allyship, allyship, safety, safety, connection, partnership, all of these things. When we feel the least like that, it's a conflict of interest and it's really really hard, but that's where the learning and the growth actually happens is safely in relationship with us. Mm -hmm. And Molly said, yeah, the three-year-old has also been talking lately about how I don't like to play. I only like to clean. My takeaway tonight is I need to take some time for direct connection. Oh my gosh. Amazing. And I think that's, that's something you can say. Talk about parent accountability. You walk in they're fucking drawing on the walls with deodorant or markers or whatever. And you can cop to that. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. This is happening. Did you guys want to play with me? Do you guys want to draw? And I didn't set you up with markers and stuff. I am so sorry. Let's head into the kitchen. Let's head out to the picnic table. Mm-hmm. Let's, um, you know, I'm going to finish the little thing that I was doing here just cause I want to wrap up this little like laundry thing or this mm-hmm. thing. And then I get to step away from the cleaning. Cause it seems like you guys are needing not supervision connection, mm-hmm. family time, mm-hmm. us time. Yeah. I mean, I think so much about it is like your kids are noticing that you respond really strongly when you have to clean more. And I think they keep doing it because they want to understand why. And I think that Kelty and I are both very cleany people. We, get, we struggle a lot and are triggered by messes and destruction mm-hmm. and things like that. Literally. And I think a huge breakthrough for us was connecting to our kids and explaining why. You're doing this and it's absolutely fine and I understand. But I struggle with it because I'm the one that has to clean it up. Mm-hmm. And do you know what else I have to clean up? Everything else in, in this world. And it's mm-hmm. a lot for me. And so I'm just wondering how we can make this work so that you can get the, the drawing and whatnot that you need, but I don't have to have more cleanup. Mm-hmm. And that basically demystifies and de-energizes the, the situation that's been perpetuated through this vicious cycle of drawing on the wall to make you mad and create this upset and, and like cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also when we start getting into this, this is a whole other episode and podcast of Instagram. When we start feeling this need of like our kids to stop making messes, I think that's when we start have to start checking with ourselves and saying, instead of relying on our kids to not be kids in order to make our lives um, involve less cleaning, I think we need to think about not just how we can organize the environment or be on top of things better or protect them better, but also rely on other people like our fucking partner, mm-hmm. which is usually male identifying mm-hmm. to maybe be picking up some of the other pieces of this cleanup situation so that the burden is not on us so heavily That we lose our shit on our kids for making a small mess that they are totally okay and like understandably going to make Mm -hmm. right i think those moments that i lose it on my kids Mm -hmm. the most when they're being destructive or being quote unquote messy is because i'm feeling so helpless and overloaded by the other tasks that i've been doing by the state of my house by feeling alone in it by holding the the, the mental, emotional, physical burden of it, if my husband's working a bunch and can't be getting in and doing yeah. those other things. It's really hard. And I think it's so easy <clears throat> to take that out on our kids and snap, and that's okay too. I, I had a rant a couple days ago being like, since I'm the only one who does anything, you drop that, <laughs> guess who picks it up? Me, all this <laughs> me. Like I had like a full on meltdown about it that I had to circle back about, saying I was feeling helpless, my back's hurting, which makes it harder for me to pick up things. I love your help and support after you've done your work to put things away, not clean up. Sometimes you can do that. And sometimes you can't, I value the times you're able to. And I'm sorry. I just had a little meltdown about it was me, not you, all my own stuff. I'm so sorry. I dragged you into that. I'm a taco papa. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Molly said, I think I've been unintentionally fostering it too, because I'm like, let's clean it up together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You bet. I think you can always offer that. Let's clean it up together. Yeah. And then if they're like, no, peace out, you'd be like, okay, well, it's going to be fun. I'm going to put some music on. I'm going to do it. And we're going to model that. Or we can also I'm model. This is hard. It's cleaning up. It's hard to clean up sometimes, or I'm going to save it for later. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to make Papa do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Ask him to do it. Or back it. to natural consequences. I think we have too much stuff right now. Or I need to stow the markers away until I like, can organize them in a way that feels sustainable. Because right now I feel like I'm cleaning up most of the markers, which is my job. And that's okay. But it's feeling a little too hard. So we're getting honest mm-hmm. about what our needs are. I'm struggling to continue to clean up these stuffies. There's so many, I think we might have to cut them in half. What do you guys think? If you, Cause you're showing me you can't clean them up all the way by yourselves yet. And I'm struggling to, what can we do? Right. Right. If you're wanting to make the mess kid if and we're having mess, wanting but... to do these things, mm-hmm. tear these things up, draw on these things. Then mm-hmm. we're going to spend after like we come home from daycare outside, because Mm -hmm. we can more easily destruct things, right? If I can't be overseeing you and if I'm struggling with overseeing you while you're making messes that I have to constantly intervene in, Mm -hmm. clearly your body's needing something. And that is so good. I love that. I'm honoring that impulse and that need, but I'm going to start thinking about where that can actually happen. That works for me too. So we're thinking about consequences are a great wake up call essentially. What our kids do is a consequence of something else, of a need they had, of a feeling they had, of a developmental stage they're in. Or what's so the positive consequence of our kids we making these consistent messes? Be better organization, more balance um, in division of labor with our partner, um, more um, nervous system regulation right needs to happen, more paring down of things, giving some stuff to Goodwill, right? What else? What, what good could come of a situation that makes us want to tear our hair out? <clears throat> I mean, what situations that make us tear our hair out as we're wrapping up this, this call, I think these that warrant in our conventional parenting minds consequences, I think are calls for evolution. Mm-hmm. We have to keep remembering that problems, challenges, conflict, messes, things that we do not like, it is an opportunity To say, how can I evolve myself, my environment, my routine, my kids, all of us, in a positive direction? Mm -hmm. I think so often we're trained and conditioned in our society to see something we don't like and to think we are taking steps back. We all made a mistake. Somebody's wrong. Mm -hmm. Someone has to pay for this. Someone must suffer more because this happened to, for some sense of justice or accountability. Right. And no growth happens in those places. The situations actually just keep happening over and over because just like the, your kids continuing to draw on the wall because no connection has actually necessarily been made through it all. Right. The only way we can evolve through challenges with our kids is by connecting through them using compassion, curiosity, and creativity over and, 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 over, and, over, and over and over and over. And that's what moves us through. And so let's keep thinking in our minds. This is not like toxic positivity. That's not mm-hmm. what I'm talking about here. We're talking about saying the shit that automatically happens growing up with kids, it has to have a greater purpose. And I'm going to make it have a greater purpose Mm -hmm. by looking at it as an opportunity instead of as a terrible thing that happened to me today. This is not a blight on our harmony, our productivity, our happiness. These things really can be productive, constructive, connective, Mm -hmm. all of these things. And it's hard at first to reframe our mindset to do that. It's hard at first to show up in a different way. That's not angry, and frustrated and resentful. And that's why we have the circle up at the beginning for preparation and why we have the circle back at the end after these shit shows happen to process, right? Mm -hmm. And then we slowly work our way toward the middle. That's the work we're doing in our collective with our weekly coaching calls and in all of our like topic threads. And then what we're doing in our two to one or two to two coaching calls is saying, how can we take these situations and open that timeline and examine it and start working on it little by little because the more we start working on, even just individual moments that our kids do, focus on when they're running away at the mall, focus on when screen time sucks, focus on when um, they're in destructo mode after school. If we even just start in one place, we can start getting the practice, ourselves and with our kids, in creating that circle right, of connection with them. And then that is actually, circles gain momentum, right? And we start getting better at it. Our kids start getting really good at it, understanding what they needed and why and what to do about it. Mm-hmm. And they start allying with us and working on it. And then soon we're just solving our own problems before they even happen. And it's kind of awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You make it sound so easy <laughs> um, and it's not, it's but not. I think that if you came here tonight for someone to give you permission to control less and trust more and connect more, and lean into relationship and needs-based conversations instead of behaviorist (coughs) conversations more, we give you that permission to let go, to trust, to respect your kid's opinion and their resistance. Let things play out a little, Mm -hmm. right? I think we all need that and we can give it to each other. It's gonna be okay. Our kids are doing the best they can. We're doing the best we can. We can show up human to human and say, wow, that was tough. Or wow, this is feeling like a struggle. What can we do? What can we do? right? Seeing our conflict and saying, instead of saying, stop it now, end this shit, we can say, play it out. How's it going? Explore this, right? Open up that timeline of that tricky moment and find where all the learning and the magic can be whenever we can. And if that can't happen in the moment, that can happen after the moment. We can be thinking about it. We can take notes about it. We can complain or share to a partner or a friend about it. We can debrief with our our child about it. Mm -hmm. We can keep Coming back and creating to the best of our ability, safety, security, repair, humor, connection, mm-hmm. and just turn all over again, over and over, over and over. That's the beautiful thing about parenting mm-hmm. and parenting. There's always tomorrow or five minutes from now, right? Always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Libra, let's make sh- uh, we, I wish we had time to answer your question, but if you could DM us, then we could, um, we'd love to connect with you. about your concern thank you so much for being here Mm -hmm. and for sharing wish we didn't have to wrap this up everybody this has been really fun talking about consequences what are they how can we make them work for us rather than against us Mm -hmm. right work with our kids rather than against our kids Mm -hmm. it's been kind of fun thinking who's accountable when shit goes down is it the child with like the barely formed brain is it us who are also, you know, working on shit, but like definitely in charge. Got <laughs> a little stuff to practice, yeah, it's yeah. hard. It's really hard. There's no shame in any of it. We're all doing the best we can. We're all showing up and growing up. All the skills we're working on, you know, raising our kids to have, we gotta model that first. So that's what that's what we're doing side by side together in community, in the collective, that we help you with with coaching and that you get to do as you're supporting your child in these moments whenever you can. Thanks for being here, everyone. We will see you soon. See you next week. DM us or email us with any questions. Yeah.